Uh, we are diving into the Sermon on the Mount. We are going to take the next number of months going through it because we don't want to rush through it. Jesus has got a lot of really cool things packed into this sermon, and we just don't want to miss anything. We don't want to miss the richness of it. Um, so yeah, so that's what they're going to be doing for the next couple of months. Um, just a l- quick note, um, I said that you've heard it said by influencers, self-help books, and all. I'm not saying that those are bad things, okay? Like, Matt doesn't believe in self-help books. I, I think they're fine. There's some good ones out there. There's some that, anyways. Um, but what I'm saying is that Jesus' way is always going to be better, especially if the influencers and the self-help books and everybody that's out there is saying something that's contradictory to Jesus. Jesus' teaching will always and forever be better and this is how Jesus will approach so often in the Sermon on the Mount he's going to say the teachers that you have have said this but I say I give you a better way and so we want to dive in pay attention closely to what is Jesus's better way so to set it all up um, I want to give a little bit of background as I always do before we dive too much into this sermon um First of all, a little bit of background. The Sermon on the Mount probably took place over several days. It takes us all of 20 minutes to read the entire sermon, and we're like, yeah, that's a good average sermon at my church, and it's all good. No, what we have from Matthew in his recording is the cliff notes. He just picked out the highlights. Jesus probably was on this mount preaching to the people for several days on end. We're not talking a 20-minute sermon. We're talking a tent meeting. And so, and the amazing thing about this, and we're going to kind of touch on this a little bit later, is that at the beginning, Jesus looks up and he sees large crowds. By the end of it, after several days of preaching, he said the crowd has actually gotten bigger. And I was thinking about that, I was like, that's quite a thing. Because if I told you we're kicking off 2023 with seven days of straight me preaching at you, A, the crowd starts small as it is, I know that, I accept that, I'm only a little hurt by it. But by the end of it, the crowd is going to get a lot smaller because it's like we have other things that we need to do. But Jesus has this ability to draw his magnetism, everything that was going on with him, uh, his early ministry. He has this ability as he's teaching to draw in crowds. And so as we say that we're going to take several months to get through this, it took him several days to get through and unpack all the material that he was trying to share with people. So uh, it, it, it makes sense. It's not this quick little blurb that we get out of Matthew. Uh, the second point I want to note, note, the Sermon on the Mount versus the Sermon on the Plain. So Matthew in chapter 5 talks about Jesus being on a mountain. In Luke 6, he talks about being on a plain. And if you do any, not like, but like a, a plateau, just so we're all clear, feel like I have to clarify that because, you know, we talk about stoning and it's not, it's throwing rocks. The plane is not, Jesus has not got a private jet and he's teaching people. He's on this plateau. Um, and if you do any background reading, there's lots of authors that say, well, um, Matthew and Luke are talking about the same thing. Math, Jesus wasn't actually on a mountain and he wasn't actually, they, they, they try to like undermine what Matthew's trying to do. And the reality is, is that even though Matthew's account and Luke's account are very similar, Luke's is quite a bit shorter, um, what is actually happening in this scenario isn't that they're talking about the same event. There's a good chance they're actually talking about separate events. Because Jesus, the third point, 
Jesus was a traveling teacher, which meant he focused on a few teachings. He didn't he wasn't coming up with new stuff every single Sunday. It wasn't like me who I have one church and I have one group of people and I have to be fresh and creative every... Because if I had five sermons that I preached all year long, you'd hear the same thing 24 times. You'd tolerate it for the first four and then you want to go find another church that has some fresh stuff. But Jesus wasn't walking into the same synagogue and the same temple every single week preaching to the same group of people. Jesus had to go to Galilee. He's going to Judea. He's going to Samaria. He's covering the whole nation of Israel. And so instead of trying to have this wide variety of creativity and deep things, which Jesus could have done because he is the son of God. He is the embodiment of wisdom and knowledge. And he could have. But instead, Jesus recognized that his time was short. He only had three years, and he had a lot of people he had to reach. So instead of coming up with a wide variety of things, Jesus probably had four or five groups of teachings that he had, and he would repeat them often, trying to get these really important points nailed down. So when Matthew and Luke have these two accounts, and they seem very different, it's not because Matthew's being creative and putting a whole bunch of stuff together. What's actually happening is that this is probably two separate events. And Jesus is walking around and he's teaching and he's trying to get these important points nailed in to the nation because he's going to go. He's only got three years and he's got a couple hundred thousand people he's got to talk to. So it's not like everybody gets a special thing. He's got these five groups of teachings He's going around, repeating it often so that it gets nailed and really sunk into the hearts of the people that he's talking to. And that brings me to my first point. I haven't even gotten into the scripture yet, and I got my first point. How are you making the most of the time that you have? Jesus recognized that he only had three years with the people of Israel, and instead of going around talking about a whole bunch of different things, he he, had, he decided to take a few points and repeat it often to get it sunk in because he wanted to maximize the time that he had. And the question is, as we as believers, we know that Jesus could return any day. Jesus could return today. And we would ascend into heaven, and, and, and our time here, is, our ministry is done, our time here is done. And, and the question is, is that when Je- how are we making the most of the time until Jesus arrives? It could be today. It could be tomorrow. You might not even get through the end of service and Jesus could come back. Because the other thing that Jesus talks about often is the fact that when he uses the analogy of a master and a servant and the master goes away for an undefined amount of time and he comes back and he either finds the servant hard at work to the things that he has left him to do or he comes back and finds him wasting his time. And Jesus is very clear that the one who is hard at work at the things that he's been told to do will be blessed, and he, what, even though he's been given a little, even more will be given to him. But the one who has been found wasting time will be thrown out with his weeping and gnashing of teeth. And if I had a vote, weeping and gnashing of teeth does not seem to be the one I want to end up with. And we so, but it's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to ha- take our time and, you know, just killing time. I just, I'm just wasting time. I'm just, and, and, and I just, I, I want to start this new year by saying when you talk, thinking about the year and thinking about your goals and your plans, how can you make the most of the time that you've got? 
I remember reading Bob Goff, and he talked about how um, in recognition that time is short, he wanted to make sure that every single conversation ended with the person being encouraged. He said, even if it was a longtime friend or someone I just met, I wanted that person to walk away better because of the fact that we had a conversation. I was like, that's a pretty good goal. It's, a, it's, it's audacious, and it's big, and that takes a lot of mindfulness, but it was a good goal. And so I encourage you as you're thinking about the new year, what are some good goals that you could set to maximize the time that you have because whether we think we've got years left or days left, the reality is is that we need to live as though Jesus could be back any moment and we want to be making the most of the time that we've got. Okay, now let's actually dive into some actual scripture. So we're in Matthew 5, starting in verse 1, and we're just reading the first two verses. One day, he saw crowds gathering. Okay, so Jesus is with his disciples. He looks up, and there's crowds starting to gather. Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. Now, important thing I want to point out here, when it talks about how the disciples gathered around him, it's not talking about Jesus' close-knit group. And this is one of the things that when guys are trying to compare Matthew 5, or yeah, Matthew 5 and Luke 6. Um, in Matthew 5, Jesus only has four of his disciples assembled. He's got Peter and Andrew, and he's got James and John. That's it. He's got the four. But in Luke, he's already got all 12 of his guys assembled, and so it's like, oh, well, Jesus only didn't have all his disciples. Well, when he's talking about disciples here, he's actually just talking about a group of followers. Disciples, we, we have so often in our day narrowed it down to just being the 12 that Jesus had with them all the time. But disciple is actually a very broad term. It just means follower or student. And so he's looking at the crowd, and the crowd is starting to gather around him. And the really interesting thing is, in that day, when a teacher was going to teach something, he wouldn't stand up and like we do in our universities and in our classrooms and in school the teachers wouldn't stand, they'd actually sit down. And so when Jesus sits down in that day, it was a signal to the people, it's like, okay, it is time to pay attention, because the rabbi, even though he wasn't technically called a rabbi, everyone recognized him as a teacher and as somebody, as a religious leader, it was this cue that we need to stop what we're doing, we're all going to sit down, and it is time to listen to the teacher. But the really interesting thing is, is Jesus could draw a crowd. If you look at Matthew 4, um, well, Matthew, to the background, the context, lighting up to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 3, Jesus gets baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. Chapter 4, Jesus gets tempted. He calls the disciples and says he starts his early ministry in Galilee, and he's healing people, and he's opening blind eyes, he's opening deaf ears, and he's healing the sick, he's casting out demons, and by chapter 5, people, word has gotten around that he's doing all these amazing things, and now the crowd is starting to gather. And there's an excitement, there's a buzz, and they, they want to be near him because they want to see what he's going to do next, and they want to see what he's going to say next, and what's the take-home point from Jesus this day? And the, question I have, the second question I have for you today is, does Jesus excite you? Okay, I know, I didn't warn you that I was going to ask that question because a little bit of energy was required when I asked that question. So we'll try that again. Does Jesus excite you? Okay, that, that was better. <laughs> Could use a little bit more. But anyways, we'll work on it. We'll, we'll, we'll work on it. Does Jesus excite you? Because 
Jesus doesn't change. Jesus is the same as he was all those years ago. Yes, he's not physically walking around, but Jesus still heals. Jesus still brings new life. Jesus still brings dead things back to life. He makes things new. He opens blind eyes. He, Jesus does so much. He's living. He's active. Jesus should excite us. And, and I, I really encourage you to take this year to really dive in, not just dive into the Word for the sake of diving into the Word, but dive into the Word so that you can get to know who Jesus is and what He wants to do and what He wants to accomplish in your life and get excited about Jesus because what happens is if Jesus doesn't excite us, then every time your pastor or me or someone says, hey, it would be a really good idea for you to invite someone to church, well, if Jesus doesn't excite you, it's going to be really hard to invite people to come to church. If church doesn't excite you, and, and it, you know, oh, oh mm, 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 the preaching needs to be better for me to be excited. The church isn't about the preaching. Okay, I know, I can get better. I'll work on it, I promise. But, Church isn't about the preaching, it isn't about the worship, it isn't about the graphics and the sound and the lights and the, the coffee. I mean, we got the best coffee, but <laughs> church isn't about any of that. Church is about coming together as the people of God to experience the presence and holiness and power of the Lord Jesus. That's it. In fact, I read a quote the other day that said that the best church service is the one where we don't even notice what's going on because we're so enthralled with what God is doing. I want you to say that again. The best church service would be the one where we show up and we don't even know what's going on because we're so enthralled with what God is doing. And I know that we get into this habit of showing up at church because it's the right thing to do and we just end up going through the motions and we read the bible and we're just going through the motions and this morning i really want to encourage you we need to stop going through the motions and we need to start getting excited about who jesus is the god of the universe who created everything creates and sustains everything has a plan for you he has gifted you called you to great and amazing things that's exciting you're not here by accident you have a calling, you are treasured, you have value that nobody else, no one can ever take your value away. Jesus should excite you. Okay, I said we're going to try it again. Does Jesus excite you? Okay, the second time was better. But anyway, we'll keep working on it. We got all year. We'll, we'll get there. Yes, Jesus excites me. Yes, I'm passionate and excited and I just want to know him more and I want to dive in. I want to be in the crowd that is hovering around and pressing in on him and just wanting to just be near the man. And this is a question we need to ask ourselves. Because when he gets to Sunday morning, like, I don't know what you do for the rest of the week, but when he gets to Sunday morning, it shouldn't be like, oh, where's the snooze button? It should be, bing, I'm awake. I am ready because God is going to do something. He's going to transform someone. He's going to do something exciting, and I need to invite as many people as possible to get there to see it. Jesus, sort of excites you. The third point I want to make, and this is the last point I'm going to make this morning, is how are you using what God has given you? And I want to go back to where we're at in uh, Matthew 5. So we started off, Matthew 5, verse 1. 
Jesus looks up and he sees the crowd and, and he, he regrets the fact that they didn't pack the mobile sound system. Oh, no, that's not what it said. Jesus looks up, sees the crowd, realizes he's on the mountain and says, okay, everybody get in the buses. We've got to get to the synagogue because the, the acoustics out here are awful. No, Jesus didn't say that. He looks up, he sees the crowd, and he says, just wait, it's early in my ministry, I'm not ready for all you people yet, come back when I'm a little bit more qualified. No, Jesus didn't do any of that. Jesus looks up, he sees the crowd, and he sits down on the mountain, and he just starts teaching. And the reason I want to park on that is because all too often, I think we, we, we hear these words that you have a calling, that God wants to use you to do great and amazing things, and our response almost instantaneously is, I'm not ready. And I'm not just talking to the adults here. I'm looking at the teens, I'm looking at the young adults, I'm looking to the kids who are listening. You know, hey buddy, um, if you know what God has called you to, even at a young age, you don't have to wait till you have a degree. You don't have to wait till you're an adult. You don't have to wait till you finish high school. If you've got a calling, if you've got something that you're passionate about, start now. Because if you start with a little, Jesus says, if you're faithful with a little, more will be given to you. So don't wait. Don't wait until the stars align. Don't wait until you've got the biggest following on Instagram. Don't wait until everything is right. Just start because when you get excited about something when you're passionate about something people will want to come to you and be excited with you they'll want to be a part of it and as you start now you start to grow and when the bigger crowds come and when the bigger opportunities come you'll be just that much more ready for it because let me tell you as as someone who employs people and I'm going to speak on behalf of all the bosses. If I get a resume and it says all my experiences, I went to Bible school, or my experiences, I've been going to camp, I've been an assistant leader at my youth group, I've been, because, you know, we're looking at a youth pastor, okay? I'm just, just being real with you. The person who has more experience, even if they have less schooling, more experience speaks volumes. And so Jesus didn't wait for the stars to align. He didn't wait till he was in Jerusalem when he had the best church with the best lights and, you know, everything was aligned. He just saw the crowd and started teaching. And clearly he had something going on because, like I said, he's preached for several days and by the end of it, the crowd had actually gotten bigger. That's amazing. And maybe the the question we need to ask ourselves before we ask how are we using what God has given us is to stop and take inventory of what has God given us? What has God given you? Because, like, well, I mean, God hasn't given me much. We got social media. That's something that nobody else has ever had. I don't have that many followers. Doesn't matter. Be a positive influence on the followers that you got. Make the most of every single post that you make if you're a social media person. I don't have much, I have a house. Perfect. Invite people over. It's amazing how, like, groups like Alpha, the one thing they say when it comes to hosting a group is make sure you've got food. That's the one requirement they always make, have food. Because food breaks down barriers. Food creates opportunity for relationship. Food's amazing. There's a reason, and when you study the Old Testament, 
God gave the Israelites a whole bunch of list of different feasts. Why? Because Israelites like to eat. That hasn't changed. We all like to eat, clearly. But everyone likes to eat. And everyone likes to eat together. And it's just, everyone relaxes. You don't have to have much. You just have to use what God has given you because everything you have is a gift from Him. And He just asks us to be faithful with what He has. And if you're faithful with a little, even more will be given to you. So, I said that over the course of the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to be making a bunch of B statements. And this morning, my B statement for you is be intentional. Be intentional with the time that you have because your time is short. Whether you think so or not, it is. Because we don't know how much time we have. Be intentional with the time. Be intentional with what God has entrusted to you. Because everything that we have is a gift. Whether we have a lot or a little, and don't be like, oh, I don't have as much as that person, I can't be used. Actually, the less you have, the more creative you have to be, and usually that results in even bigger impact. Be intentional with your time, be intentional with what you have, and be intentional with your energy. Be intentional with what the things you think about and talk about, because we need to be more excited about who Jesus is, what he wants to do in our community, in our lives, in our families. And the more excited we get, the more we want to draw into him. And the more excited we get, the more attractive Jesus becomes to our neighbor and our friends and our family members. Because at the end of the day, that's really what matters, is we want Jesus in the lives of every single person he has put in our life. Worship team, I'm going to get you to come on up. I'm going to get... I invite everyone else to bow their heads for a moment. Everyone bow your heads, close your eyes. We're going to pray for a little bit. As you've been listening and thinking about some of the things that we've talked about this morning, I think about that idea of being more intentional. And you're just drawing a blank. I'm just drawing a blank of what God has given me that I can use. I'm just drawing a blank on how to use my time better. I, I just, I'm just drawing a blank right now. If that's you, and you would like the Holy Spirit to enlighten you on what you need to be more intentional about, I invite you to just raise your hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for the faith of those who rose their hands. And God, I pray for those that maybe were just shy and didn't want to raise their hands. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak so clearly right now. That you would, uh, you would open our eyes and open our hearts and our minds to know what we need to be more intentional with. And maybe, God, we know what we need to be more intentional with. We just need the boldness to do it. Or we just need the know-how. We just need to know the next step. We just, we just, there's something missing. But, God, we know that you're the source of all knowledge and wisdom. And I just pray that you would impress that on somebody. On everybody. God, that they would know that they know that they know what it is you are calling them to be more intentional with. And we've been talking all year. God, it doesn't have to be all year. It just has to start today. Help us all to know what we need to be more intentional with. 
today. And God, I pray for everyone in-house and online and in Redverse. God, if there's anyone here who, who doesn't know you, Jesus, God, I pray that you would speak to them. I pray that you would stir in them, that you would be drawing them onto yourself. Because God, Jesus, in you is life, in you is abundance and blessing and everything that we need. Maybe not the things that we want, but the things that we need to live the life that you've called us to live, to be fulfilled in all that we do. So Jesus, I pray that you would be drawing people onto yourself. Stir in us, be with us as we go. In your precious name, Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen.